What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great show. On this show, we have Jason Lynette, and Jason is a hypnotic language expert. Uh, we totally nerd out on cool language, how to use that language, and how you can uh, basically start talking to yourself and others, clients, whoever it is in your business with more authoritative and powerful language to get better results. I think you're going to really, really like this episode. I know I did. Let's check out what Jason has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Goo Yao Now Show. I'm your host, Bob McIntosh, of course, and I am excited to have on uh, Jason Lynette with me today. And I've actually never met Jason before. We just started communicating uh, literally before this podcast, but just from the few minutes that we've had to connect before we started hitting the record button here, um, I feel like we got a good sense of humor. I've read through his sheet. He does some really cool stuff with hypnosis and language patterns and stuff like that. And when we're talking about getting out of your own way, Obviously, the language that you use and how you speak to yourself is going to be massively important. As someone who's spoken to myself in very negative ways a lot and has spent a lot of time learning, how do I uh, change that? In fact, I literally just today, uh, or sorry, yesterday, finished five days of Date with Destiny with Tony Robbins, which is all about talking to yourself and, and the language patterns and stuff like that. So um, I feel like this is perfect timing to have this conversation. But I'm excited for Jason to be here. I'm excited for you guys all to learn and grow. So Jason, thank you so much for being here, man. I truly appreciate it. Bob, awesome to be here. I love the name of the show, and I even love more that you called it Guya. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's funny. I, I like. I was. I, I was saying for a long time the whole name, and I was like, man, this is just. It's a mm. lot to say. Like, it's a great phrase, and I love the. I love the name. Obviously, I would have made my show the name if I hadn't. But yeah. you know, sometimes you, you you gotta you gotta abbreviate some things. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, so first and foremost, um, so just so that everyone has some context of who you are and what you do, and maybe a little bit about how you got into it, let's. Tell me about yourself so that they know who you are and kind of understand that. Yeah. So we'll kind of reverse engineer it perhaps that what I tend to do nowadays is that I've spent the last nearly two decades as a professional hypnotist working with individual clients, helping to overcome fears and resolve unwanted habits. And the discovery over time was that the business side of running a business in terms of seeing clients and putting on educational programs was something that always came quite naturally to me. And what happened though was that my clients were coming in over time more of a sort of a business set of goals, fear of failure, even fear of success. Uh, a lot of people for like fear of public speaking and where the work eventually morphed into was getting into the specificities that so much of the hypnotic process is about language. The ability to put the right words into the right order at the right time to convey the right message. So it's where we would say that a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, mm -hmm. But the truth is also that thousand words can create all sorts of different pictures and representations in someone's mind. So at the end of the day, when we start to look at communication, all communication is influential. All communication is persuasive. So if that's the case, I say that we might as well be doing it effectively. I love that. I love that. And I, I love I love the idea of using hypnosis and the, the way we speak to ourselves. It's something that I know for me, again, for me personally, yeah. I spent a lot of time, you know, rephrasing language, learning it. I've studied NLP to, you know, a, a small degree. By no means am I an expert uh, in any regards of that nature, but it's always been fascinating. And I remember there was a, a talk that I went to one time and the guy just talked about the, the power of, of self-language. And that was the first time I ever thought about what were the actual words that I was saying to myself? I, I, I've always had this internal monologue and in, in the way that I talk to myself and all that, but I've never, at, uh, prior to that point, I never thought about, well, what am I saying to myself? Because what I'm yeah, saying to myself. And important. that's one of those biggest discoveries that so much of our mindset, so much of our abilities 
are incredibly flexible. I mean, even to take how so many people I meet would start off by saying, you know, looking at one aspect of a business, oh, but I don't know how to do webinars. Oh yeah, but I can't do email marketing or my audience won't respond to that. And these are those negative things that people, especially in those startup phases, start to believe. And the unfortunate thing is, and this is a language pattern as well, that the more they say that garbage to themselves, the more they tend to believe it. When all of those statements before, we can just add one word to it and now suddenly there's motion to it. I don't know how to do that webinar yet. I don't have an online course yet. I don't think my audience is responding to that yet. So instead, by putting that word yet at the end of it, now we've got motion to it. And now it's something we can start to experiment with, we can play with. And as it is the nature of so much of a business, especially, you know, digital era of how it's so important to continue testing and just to bring that, that playfulness to the language and that ability to experiment and set something out there and just simply to see what happens. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Simple word, yet. Yes. So if you're not writing that down yet, make sure you do. <laughs> I say that. I say that. Um, so I want to ask you something actually that you touched on. And I think this, because it's it's something that I've done some, again, a lot of this is I've done some self-exploration myself on, which mm -hmm. is fear of success. I, so I, I think a lot of people have fears and we may not even know, oh, I'm scared about doing this or that or that. But very few people have ever thought about, am I scared to actually achieve what I'm going after? Am I scared of the end result of the success? And so they self-sabotage themselves as they go along. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. You know, what's been your experience of that? You know, is there is there indicators that that's a, a case for you? Like, help me understand more about that. Yeah, I'd kind of point inside of that fear of success or even to some degree fear of failure. There's two components let's kind of highlight here. One would be that very popular now imposter syndrome that someone's going to find me out. Someone's going to figure me out. Mm -hmm. And it's that concern. And, and I'd tell you a specific story of this, someone who I was working with, that he was looking at what his message was. And his challenge was, as he was looking around and seeing other people in the marketplace, that at the end of the day, that personal development message for business, you know, the bullet points tend to be the same. It's the application of how we get there is often what's different. Mm -hmm. 100%. And the question was, you know, who am I to be the one to be putting this message out there? Who am I to share something that like this person is saying, but clearly that person's nearly a billionaire promoting that message. And I'm kind of new in the marketplace, which point one of that is that reality that, you know, so often we have, let's say, bought the same message, but it's where to hear it from this one person's story, that that was that angle, that was that hook that we needed and I gave him a simple homework assignment to go off and start to compile his stories. You know, what were those major breakthroughs that he had gone through? This is someone who had recently lost more than a hundred pounds, completely launched his own business, uprooted his wow. entire family and moved. So to say it politely, dude had accomplished some pretty awesome things. <laughs> and to take those stories the same way that anyone out there who's ever written a book would start to compile, what are those anecdotes? What are those experiences? We're then to step back, and I love this mindset that everything is an asset. That as he suddenly saw, here were the points of what he was going to share, here were his exact experiences, and even as he was consulted himself too, here were the people he had worked with and the stories that they had accomplished as a result of the work they had done with him, where suddenly now it all flashed to go, I am someone who should be broadcasting this message. From there, launched his business even stronger, put a podcast out there, a Facebook group, really commanded that marketplace. And now, uh, having connected recently, as he put it, is having 
uh, to sort of respectfully shoo away the business that he can't hold on to. So I, I'd say that first step of overcoming that imposter syndrome to recognize what is, as we'd say in business, that USP, that unique uh, selling proposition, or I like the catchphrase better of that of secret sauce. What is that about <laughs> you that's unique that really helps you to stand out? So in terms of point one of that, let's say that's the imposter syndrome. I would say the other part of that fear of success, and this is one that I would be very open and say that I struggled with more so early on. Now it's one of my favorite things and it's often fun to go, oh, cool, it's that again. Let's crush it, <laughs> which would be that th this feeling, for lack of a better word, let's call it an obligation to the people that they had served in another career, an obligation to previous clients, which the nature of the business that I've run for many years now has been one of, again, playing that classic 80-20 principle time and time again. You know, the thing that built my business back in the mid-2000s was going out and doing a motivational program one that began for schools and then became a presentation for corporate groups. Fun fact, it was the same show, just different background music, <laughs> same <laughs> message. So that's a segment, <laughs> specifically the schools, that as of like 2016 or 17, I kind of looked and went, here's this international educational arm of what I do. And I can't keep doing that along with this thing for the schools that admittedly built my business which I think this is a message a lot of people in any phase of their business can lean off of, which is that consistently in my head is the phrase, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it the rest of your life. So eventually here came that segment of the schools that my company still works those events. However, we just send somebody else now. So I'd say part of that success fear is that of, let's call it letting down someone they may have served in some context before, which at any point in the game, we do have that right to reinvent ourselves and mm -hmm. often ask the question of, if I do this new project, what's the greater impact I can create as a result of that, which is always that sort of litmus test for me nowadays to go, yeah, I'm going to serve more people by doing this newer project. We can let that smaller entity slowly begin to either fall away or fill that in somewhere else as part of the business structure. Yeah, I think that's that's super important. And I know for so many of us, we get caught up in that, especially if you're in that in that startup phase or you're still in the small business phase of, yeah, but they, they were my first client or my first this or, you know, they, they really helped me get going on, on the early days. So, I you know, I got to keep doing this, even though my pricing has increased 10x since we started with them. You know, it's like, ah, oh, but I, I can't do that to them. Um, so I, I, I know I've I've certainly faced that in my life. Too. I think that's also I, I've classically found a little bit more of an internal struggle that you, I started laughing there because I thought back to a friend of mine who years ago went, we all wish we could call back our first client and say, no, really came back, come back, I got better. <laughs> and this is the story of like 2004, 2005. And I got interested in hypnosis because someone came to my college, did a stage hypnosis program, one of the comedy entertainment programs. And I just became just ravenously fascinated in this. So it became the journey of, watching as many videos as I could find, reading as many books, going to different trainings. And the best way to phrase it is before I knew better, I agreed to help one of my friends stop smoking with hypnosis, which point number one, that person still needs to have the intention that they want to quit smoking, which is helpful right. to the point of why, quote, it didn't work. When really 
I had all the right darts, but there was no dartboard yet because this was a friend who openly said after the fact, yeah, I was just kind of curious. You know, I didn't really want to quit, so I'm still smoking. <laughs> Less though, so thank you, which, you know, half a pack is definitely healthier than the full pack. But <laughs> fast forward to like 2013 and the phone rings, it's a familiar voice. And all of a sudden it's me connecting the dots to go, oh, it's her again. And mm -hmm. she comes in and, you know, I off the cuff just said, oh, and even better, it'll be the same rate as what it was when you first came in. And I regretted that as soon as I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Yet at the end of the process for, uh, to use the professional terminology at that point in the journey, I knew what the hell I was doing. Right. Uh, <laughs> and she's been smoke free as a result of that going on eight years at this nice. point. And it was interesting because right afterwards she goes, oh, that was very different than last time. In, internal <laughs> internal dialogue. Yeah, that's because I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I sucked back then. External dialogue. Well, you know, you came in with a different set of goals. So <laughs> you shared today, it required a different set of techniques. Right. Oh, wow. So again, oftentimes that struggle tends to be more internal. And what I've often found is we can boost that confidence even faster as soon as we understand what our positioning in the market is and what our specific phrasing is, and even better, what the words do, when, where, and why. So we know that we're conveying that full value with the right words at the right time to the right person as well. Totally makes sense. I love that. <laughs> and it's funny. Yeah. I like that. That. that yeah. I, I know what I'm doing now. I got yeah. this. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's been, I remember back to the, the very first, um, event that I spoke at and I was, you know, I was, I was pretty nervous. Like, you know, this is someone who's paying me to be there to communicate to, I think there was like 60 or 70 people, um, there. And I was just like, man, I could, and I remember like, you know, it was okay. Like it, it, it went well overall, it went well. Right. But I still remember going back and like, oh man, that sucked. And I look back now at like, you know, events that I do nowadays. And I'm like, wow, man, I feel bad for those people. You, come, come back, come back. I, I have a new presentation. Come check this one out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, awesome. So let me, let me ask you this. I know uh, before this, we had talked a little bit about, you know, some of the language patterns um, that you need to have. And obviously, I think we covered a couple of them here with that fear of success. So what are some other things that people need to keep in mind about self-talk to make sure that they're not, you know, either sabotaging their own success or, you know, actively working towards, you know, failure? Yeah. So we were chatting before. You've got some experience with NLP, neurolinguistic programming, which is a bit more of a conversational based version of hypnosis uh, right. mod modeled upon what were people who were effective communicators naturally doing and how can we do that on purpose? And the whole angle to what I do is always towards that positive ethical intent. Let's find these ways to build into our systems of business. Uh, what I've now just referred to as checkpoints that if we reach this point, we're only going to get there because all of these other needs are already satisfied. This way, we're only ever selling our product or service to somebody that we know for a fact we can actually help out with what right. we do. So I, I'd point to, first of all, you know, when I talk about hypnotic influence for business, uh, many people kind of nerd out, as I do too, on the specific words and patterns. Uh, and there's a few phases that have to be there even before the words and the patterns are effective. It all kicks off with what we just put into the category of emotional intelligence, that internal dialogue, that internal state management would be, let's, let's go back to that example you shared of the presentation, which if you were in the backstage area, which for most of these events is 
the bathroom. <laughs> if you were <laughs> in that environment and telling yourself the story of they're not going to like what I have to share. They're not going to know who I am. They're not going to see the value in this. Um, they're going to see me as one and the same with most of the other presentations. If we're, again, repeating that garbage in our minds, that's often where we're going to remain. Now, let's jump ahead a bit because inside of the words and patterns, one of the strongest things you can do as a presenter, and this is going to apply if you're a guest on a podcast, this is going to apply if you're speaking to a group of people, this is going to apply if you're hosting your own webinar or simply going on Facebook Live, that the premise of this is, and I'm going to use some unfortunate wording here because it's not that there's a winner or a loser. We're always moving towards that positive intent. Yet the statement becomes, whoever sets the frame and maintains it the strongest wins the influence. So mm -hmm. I give you a quick example here of a student of mine, someone who went through my program. And as an HR designate who was then going off to a conference of other HR people, which Mind you, she also pointed out is the most uh, least exciting group of people you would meet. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's got to be a boring conference or like the most ridiculous, crazy conference you've ever seen. Like, it's like, in my, like yeah. what, what's the movie? Um, is it up in the air? The one with George Clooney and Anna Kendrick? Mm, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All the computer programmers were just absolutely nuts. In my head, it's that. Uh, <laughs> yet the situation was she was going in to give this presentation which if the audience saw the bullet points of what the presentation was going to be, they would have immediately gone, we're already doing that in our company. We don't need whatever you're trying to sell us. So whoever sets the frame and maintains that the strongest wins the influence. The mm -hmm. opening 30 seconds of her presentation was to put up what we crafted as the ugliest PowerPoint slide you've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> aerial font on white background and uh, more bullet points on the screen than you should ever put in a PowerPoint presentation. And she set the frame. She put that framework around the presentation in the first 30 seconds, which immediately phase two of influence is that of building the calibration, the rapport with others. She won the influence. She created that dynamic rapport, ugly slide up on the screen going, hey, before we get started, which even that is a magical little sentence, before we get started, that's kind of the hit list of what I'm going to talk about today. And I bet at this point, most of you might be thinking, we're already doing that, which <laughs> is why it's great that you're here, because I'm going to show you some ways to streamline these services, some of which you might already be doing. But if at the end of this presentation, I can show your company how to save money on at least one of these points, this would be time well spent, right? Okay, good. So let's begin. Nice. So she changed the entire dynamic of the presentation just by changing the opening. Other than that, it would have been one and the same as everything else they were already doing. The audience would have already been checking out, but now she brought them all in. So by having that sequence of words, phase one is that of the emotional intelligence. She was going into that presentation now, not as if that was a group of 50 or 60 skeptical, cynical HR people. It was instead, these are my peers. We're going to share some stories. We're going to make fun of some employees in a rather polite yet impolite way. That's <laughs> part of this offense, it turns out. <laughs> yet that's what then set that foundation that, as she put it, I used to walk in with fear. And instead, now I was walking in as if they were already my best friends. And that was the dynamic that naturally played out as a result of that. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome. And so when, when you're setting, when you're setting that, that, that frame for, for influence, um, 
I mean, can you set the frame to anything you want to, or is it, is does that like, cause you said this works well if you're doing like speaking events, obviously, if you're doing a Facebook live, um, would this work as well in the idea of a one-to-one -one communication? And, you know, if I'm sitting down and negotiating with someone over a deal point or something of that nature. Okay. So the intro to this is that, uh, I would not say never, ever use the word, but, uh, instead I would suggest that you should choose your, but wisely. <laughs> which if we just stopped right there, that would be a wonderful little puzzle for your audience to figure out. What I mean by this is the word but, traditionally in terms of linguistics, the word but usually negates everything you've just said. So right. I would not say this to you, though if I said, hey, Bob, I think you're really smart, but next time could you try it this way? I was then negating that I said you're really smart. If instead I found a better choice of words and I replaced the word but with the word and, this would be the situation of, you know what, the way that you opened up this presentation and also the way that we're broadcasting live and eventually this will go out to your podcast audience is really interesting. And I'm seeing that also audiences respond extremely well when we take some of these segments and break it up. So now we're in that phrase and continuing a dialogue rather than interrupting it. Uh, mm -hmm. I say choose your butt wisely because sometimes, and this is where I jokingly pat myself on the back and play the game of, well, in my TED talk, I talked about the idea <laughs> of breaking rapport to then rebuild rapport in the way that it's meant to be there originally. So very often you'll ask a question to a client and they'll pause, they'll look around as if they're searching inside of their brain for the answer, and they'll respond by telling you a story. And in most cases, the story continues the problem that they've been living inside of, as opposed to give you the resources. I love that you're nodding and smiling to that <laughs> because that's a common situation. This is where I would use the but intentionally. Well, thank you for sharing that. But let me ask you this one more time, just so I'm sure I've got the right information so I can best help you out, which is another framing statement. So at the very beginning, so this is not, here's the but, uh, this is not a story to say, look how awesome I am and look how much someone else in my local area, when my business used to be primarily seeing local clients. Uh, this is not to say, look how awesome I am and look how much they sucked. But <laughs> here's the story. Uh, <laughs> it was which to be fair, she should have had a separate phone number for her business. That would have resolved a lot of this. That the story goes, the client had called up and at first it was, yeah, hello? Yeah, is this the service? Oh yeah, hang on. Okay, I can talk to you now. And still there's confusion. When right. in my business, we began by way of an application funnel. This way it saves you on the frustration of phone tags. Schedule specific time. This way I already have some stuff so I can onboard in advance. They filled out a brief application, which means by the time I call them now, we can set that frame early on. Hey, Bob, thank you so much for scheduling this time. The way that we tend to go through this 25-minute conversation is that uh, we'll talk about the goals that you've shared in that form. We'll then explain the process of how I can work with you. And then if I'm confident that I can help you out, I'll explain how we can get started. Sound good? And everyone would, would, would respond yes. Uh, in this situation, the potential client goes, okay, yeah, I'm sold. Let's do this. Like, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> he goes, well, everyone who I've called in the area, um, you know, it wasn't a professional way that they took the call. I loved that I could schedule time with you in advance. Yet he goes, just that first 20 seconds, he goes, by the way, I did my best to take some notes of the way you just said that. Can you repeat it again? Either way, I want to work with you. How much is it going to cost me? Like, oh, <laughs> um, 
this many meetings, 3,500. Okay. That's what I expected. Thank you. It's like, that was easy. <laughs> so right. by setting that stage in the early segment of that, what did that do? Well, we, we talk about going back even further to hypnotic principles. There's one older school of, this is in terms of the hypnotist, the hypnotherapist working one-to-one -one with the client, where there's a classic method of a slow, almost laborious relaxation-based process, which may have taken upwards of 25 to 30 minutes to get the client into hypnosis. And that's been updated in recent years, yet for a bunch of years, at least 300 of them, that's how the work was done. Metaphorically and literally boring the subconscious mind to the uh, surface and getting the conscious mind out of the way. When modern times now, there are methods of hypnosis that can get someone into that state in a matter of two or three minutes, if not simply a couple of seconds. And embedded inside of this, even though even though one part of my business is teaching people how to use hypnosis, I work with counselors, I work with therapists, the bigger segment now is talking to folks who are business owners who are now utilizing these language patterns. But I give you that quick historical lesson here because it wasn't that this technique was faster and that made it work better. It was that this technique was almost a bit more, let's say like an EKG device. We were getting continuous feedback the entire way through. And it wasn't for the sake that the method was faster. It was for the sake that the method was more efficient. So look at the aspects of your business where maybe you might be following that old consultative model where we need to talk for a while so we're in connection. We can build that rapport even faster by driving to the point, establishing that authority, and also there's some embedded language inside of what I just said there, because then at that point, if I'm confident that I can help you, I'll explain how we can get started now. Sound good? And I'm just kind of dropping some of those phrases inside of what I do, almost as if we're taking a yellow highlighter and making those words shine out just that little bit more. So it's where we can also activate our language even more strongly. So back to the original question, take that ownership of the presentation, take that ownership of that consult. So rather than kick off the call with, if it's the standard application funnel nowadays, yeah, what are you looking to do? Instead, I mean, this morning uh, we had a mover come and give us an estimate as we're about to sell our home and move. And he goes, okay. And this was an easy one because he walks in and goes, okay, Jason, I've already moved you four times <laughs> with this one, <laughs> which that was more direct, but it could have been. So before we start to look around, there's a couple of options because I know storage is part of your move. We have a warehouse. You could also rent your own. Here are the benefits. Here are the setbacks of that. What's the basic idea of what you're looking to do? And that's, again, setting that foundation of authority, uh, setting that intention towards, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you achieve this goal, rather than look how awesome I am and look what I can do. Let's put the ownership, the intention on that client there. That's awesome. I think that's super powerful. And <clears throat> no matter, I, I like if you're watching or listening to this, I want you to stop for a second and, you know, maybe even pause this and, and think about how can you apply that in any business? Cause I don't care what you're doing. I know a lot of people that follow me are real estate investors. A lot are, are digital marketers or, you know, e-commerce store owners, people like that. Sometimes look, th that same, that same setting of intentions is going to be super important. And it's, it's, interesting that you say that like now I, I think back to it, i'm like man i wonder how often that's been done to me and it's created created the desired result for them which you know obviously i've never had a situation where I'm like man i can't believe they took me for you know to, in, in that capacity but at the same time i think that that's super powerful 
Well, you mentioned the digital marketing space where, again, the more money that I've spent in terms of my own personal development, my own education, I've heard the advice of shoot videos and tell stories as always <laughs> the primary thing. Yet, as I do a presentation inside of the words and patterns segment of hypnotic language, here's a whole segment on metaphor. So to get even more specific in the opening frame of that segment, if let's say I spun that off as a preview webinar for people to look at even before they join the bigger program or work with me directly, you know, it could be the simple frame of, and, and the just one, I hinted at this earlier with the HR example, that, you know, if you find just one way to make your story more effective in such a way that now people are booking with you more consistently, this would be time well spent, right? So the difference is now we've got that person, which this be beautifully sets us up for a bonus here in a second. This sets us up so now the person is looking for what are those things that are different from what they've already done that are mm -hmm. going to be those game changers. The benefit now becomes, hopefully, you are delivering more than one piece of value, which now you are yeah. perfectly positioning yourself for the ultimate in business, the under-promise-over-deliver under, under experience. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and also now you're, 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 you know, you're saying, Hey, I'm, I'm almost making a promise to you that you're going to find these things here. And then when they find them, you've built that bridge of trust because they're saying, Oh, look, he was right. I did find that. Or she was right. I did find that thing that, you know, he was, uh, that he was talking about. Exactly. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so I know that you had just, you just said in, in that statement that you, I wrote, I wrote down the words confident and get started. So obviously in, in the case of that, you sort of emphasize them just slightly, um, which I don't know if, again, if you're, if you're listening, listening to this or watching this, I'd love for you to rewind it and go back and, and rewatch that part again. Cause I think that's important. Um, I'm assuming that that was done intentionally on your part. So there's a, yeah, there's a segment of language patterns here of what we call an embedded command. And let's nerd out on grammar for a moment. This is a separate independent clause inside of a much bigger clause, a separate dependent clause. There we go. Uh, inside of a bigger independent clause. So which that's a whole lot of jargon. Let's make this simple. And you're going to hear me do this in real time. One of the mistakes that people often make is that they put most of their language in passive form of the verb. Uh, someone was running, someone was looking at an option as you were exploring. And it's in that passive, even so past tense version of the verb which if you want to start to play with this, every time that you're about to approach a verb, simply take that moment to ask yourself if this is something you wanna highlight so that this way now you can decide for yourself exactly what the message ought to be because at that point you start to discover the power of language, which right now this is gonna sound a little blocky because I'm just kind of playing with it for the moment. But it's where often if someone joins my accelerator program and we're doing some kind of one-to-one -one coaching, phase one is often they go, hey, let's look at my website. And this is one of those biggest things that we start off by doing, by looking at their language, taking it out of that passive style and bringing it more into that active. Because as you look through the options of this program, you can decide which one is the best for you. And we're now highlighting the actions. We're now putting the intention to put movement and momentum into our language. And by doing so, this allows us to start to learn that skill that uh, I'd give you the history of this, which is that the older textbooks in the hypnotic profession used to say that you would need to use a specific series of techniques to classify whether your client needed an authoritative approach of language or a permissive approach to language, which this is, mind you, extremely out of date now. 
but let's modify these words a bit because authoritative doesn't mean I'm now shouting at you. <laughs> I'm now weakly speaking to you in this timid voice. The difference between permissive and authoritative language could be as simple as the use of the words you might be noticing versus now you are now noticing in terms of putting more active inside of it. So the catchphrase of this becomes, we can become permissively authoritative or authoritatively permissive. Hmm. Yeah, enough said. Let's explain that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it comes down to is the use of how language is not just about what we say. It's also about how we say it, the tonality. What if I can weaken the option of talking about other options that you could look at in terms of working with a consultant to get things up and running in your business. But now I can also now activate the language in terms of what my specific service is, because it's where, let's put this in motion, what's where you could look at the options of going to the library and exploring different books that might be out there and attempting to learn this content on your own. However, many people find that when they connect with the expert and learn it directly from the source, and find the specific applications of how to use this in your business as early as today. That's when you often find you can create these results even faster. So by weakening one, emphasizing the other, it's as if we've got that, um, let's use professional terminology here, we've got the teeter-totter, and we're putting that energy, that weight, more so on the other side. So often people, I would say, you mentioned the example of public speaking, this is my take on why so many people, let's say, pace or make awkward gestures or just clearly don't feel comfortable. They don't know what they're doing. They're not comfortable up there. When all, all of a sudden they're now standing in this specific area of the stage when they're presenting the negatives, they're standing over here when they're presenting the positives. What this is doing is, yes, it's helping to influence the decisions of the audience, but there's a beautiful self-hypnosis component of this because now it's also influencing that individual to speak with more authority, to speak with more integrity and more intention and convey the value of what they do even stronger. And when you combine all of those things together, you, the, the presentation and the feeling someone gets when they're when they're hearing that authoritativeness and hearing that confidence is going to simply put, I would say, increase your probability of closing or working with or whatever the you know the end goal of is the presentation or the, or the communication. Well, Bob, I mean, think of the time you felt the most confident. I mean, right now, just feel a really big sense of excitement just rushing through your body. Y yeah, right. <laughs> when instead we can put that intention inside of the words. We're drawn to those people that are dynamic. They're, we're drawn to those people that are charismatic. And we're also drawn to those people that at the end of the conversation, we see the value of what they do. And we're now realizing if I had a few of those skills, I could create that result even faster in my business. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay. So, so you have these embedded commands. Is there a point at which it becomes you've tried to embed too many commands and, and someone can get lost or, or it becomes almost <laughs> obvious to the point of like, wow, like what, what are you, why are you saying it that way? I love that as a question because I think we get into a pattern where, you know, we, we move up that journey of education where we start off by being unconsciously incompetent. We don't yet know what we don't yet know. Mm -hmm. And then we spend a big bulk of time in that conscious competence where we're kind of muscling our way through it. And then eventually it falls into that unconscious ability where we're just doing it and it feels natural to us, that I'd say in the early stages, we oftentimes would start to use a few too many. This is where as part of what I do is giving people specific applications to say, okay, so now 
you're doing writing for a website or an email, here's a template. And almost like if you remember Mad Libs, the game mm -hmm. filling yeah. the blanks and giving someone that as a launching point so that now it's not the task of trying to use too many of them. There's a segment of what I do about just hypnotic words that influence. And very often the new student of this stuff will try to use all of them and it's awkward as hell, as opposed to using a few of them exactly. to kind of punch up that message. So I live by the mindset that frameworks equal freedom, even if it's the person, you know, in the midst of everything pandemic, so much of business networking has gone online. And the beauty is now we all have local businesses, unless we have a fully local service, like the moving company that came out. But most of us now have local businesses that now reach around the world. And even in the shape of business networking, where we might have like in the BNI world, that 30 to 45 seconds to give that elevator pitch in such a way that now people see the value of what we do and they see the way to take action with us as a result of that, to have some frameworks going into high ticket phone sales, business networking, or even eventually asking for the testimonial. This is how I do my best to kind of hedge off that um, hypno speak for the sake of hypno speak, I guess we call it. <laughs> <laughs> we're at the end of it, someone, which is where I'd say in hypnotherapy or even demonstrational hypnosis, confusion can be a strategy. I would say it's one to use very sparingly in business because in most cases, if the person is just confused, they're just going to bow out and go, I, I don't know what that is. And thanks anyway. Right. Yeah. So giving people those frameworks is often the easiest way to prevent that overload and even overloading themselves as the student of this, as well as overloading those poor clients listening to that uh, verbal garbage that may come out without the frameworks. Right. Just yeah. the, the verbal spewing of like, I'm, I'm just throwing up embedded commands on you. Whoa, hang on. Time out. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> Which inside of it, though, let's give a simple pattern. Uh, the way that the brain works is we learn through associative memory. So the fact that I walk into a room and I hear a specific piece of music playing, that's going to naturally trigger a bunch of memories back to when I first heard that music. The same as I walk into a room and I smell lemons and the smell of the lemons may trigger specific memories of cleaning supplies or even specific foods. Pine salt, man. I'm smelling pine salt now. Yeah. Or I went to, there's a sort of an old wives tale around a specific lemon cupcake that when my wife was almost two weeks uh, past the due date for the birth of our daughter, we made these lemon cupcakes that I mean, for a dozen cupcakes, it took like 30 lemons. This was a serious project. Uh, <laughs> cupcakes were good. Our daughter still waited about five days to come out. Uh, <laughs> yet it's a very specific memory. Or I flashed to the example of music. Uh, neighbors of ours about a year ago uh, called up to go, hey, we have tickets to see Sheryl Crow. We can watch your kids. Do you want the tickets? They're like front row. You don't have to pay us. Like date night. <laughs> and on the drive, there, <laughs> on the drive there, it was my wife and I going, wait, are you a fan of Cheryl Crow? Like, well, I like her music, but I wouldn't say I was, a we went and it was like this ultimate reunion of going, those are all the songs we heard back in high school. Cool. What do you process? She goes, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so the example of this correlation, cause and effect, or even back to Dr. Ivan Pavlov and his dogs, feed the dog, ring a bell, feed the dogs. They called that conditioning and hypnosis. We call that anchoring, but it's basically setting up the premise that our brains are constantly setting up cause and effect relationships. So mm -hmm. as you've been getting a bunch of estimates for this move, I can give you some rates that are now much more competitive with what you probably looked at.
And now we're seeing that service in a different respect. Let me give you the kind of leveled up version of cause and effect, which is that of the complex equivalence. With this specific pattern, which almost every video I've put out in one segment of my business always uses this, and I'll give you the exact language here. The complex equivalence allows you to let any piece of criteria become the meaning of another piece of criteria. This is an amazing little pattern if you want to now set yourself apart inside of a crowded marketplace. So I do a lot of video education in one segment of my business, which then leads to a scheduled application funnel type setup to then get on a call and then book private services. And purposefully, it's about a seven to 10 minute educational video for one of those segments, which means at the five minute mark, I can land the statement of, and let me just call this out. The fact that you're still watching this video clearly means you're one of those people who is serious about making this kind of change. Otherwise, you wouldn't still be watching this video, which is why I'm so excited to speak with you soon. And on the next page, it'll give you the opportunity to schedule time to chat with me. So what's happened there is, again, I make the joke consistently about the self-patting on the back. In that moment, the person is now separating themselves out of that I'd kind of like to make this change. It'd be nice if I made this change to go, yeah, you know what? I am serious about this and I am going to make this happen. So it's a little bit of that, uh, you know, praising of that individual. The fact that you're still watching this video, the fact that you're still reading this web page clearly means this is something you're ready to create. And at that point, there's this unconscious response of a, uh-huh. And they're continuing along that influential journey. I had a contractor as a client inside of my program a while ago that as he put it, he goes, well, the nature of my business, I've been doing this work now for going on about 30 years. However, the company I used to work for, the owner now retired, it was a family business and I've decided to go out on my own. So I don't have all the reviews. I don't have the search engine footprint that everyone else has. So as he put it, he goes, I discovered most of my clients were calling me for an estimate at the point that they'd already met with a few other people and now they're calling me. And this is where you can either become more of the same or you can stand out. And the pattern that he began to use was, well, let's put it this way. The fact that you've already got about four or five estimates and now you're looking for an estimate for me probably means that you're getting closer and closer to that decision of being ready to make this change in your home, right? Well, good. And just so you know, ahead of time, uh, the good news is my rates are just as competitive as everyone else. I can send you a whole bunch of photos and testimonials. And before we even talk about the project, I can be at your home on Monday to actually start doing the work. So tell me more about your project. <laughs> now, I love you laughing at that. See, this is fun. He's, yeah, no, no, I, I, by the way, I totally nerd out on this stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so I've, written, like, I've written like five more things here. So, but yeah, keep so, so everyone else is just another estimate. But with his offer, even before he's given the estimate, there's immediacy to it. And he's also connected the fact that they're now going to continue this conversation with him as a reason why they want to get this project done sooner. And that became that one little change that he made that immediately the projects were coming in and had to hire more folks to help out, which is always a good problem to have. <laughs> Definitely a good problem. So, so let me ask you this, because um, I, I love... 
I love, you know, the fact that you, and then inserting here, um, and the way that I was taught that, you know, we, we use that in speaking, for example, to set the tone of the room. Like um, I was always in, and you're presupposing whatever the thing is that you want them to, to have. So when I was taught this, we were told to do three facts. The fact that you this, the fact that you this, the fact that you this probably means that you did it, whatever we want to presuppose for them. Do you find it as useful? Like is having three more useful than having one? Does, is one just as like, and again, I don't, I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, again, I, I usually end up using three just because that's been my experience. But yeah. I'd love to be able to say, hey, if I can get the same effectiveness with one versus three, sometimes it doesn't come across quite as like, wait, hold on. What, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Right. <laughs> so the premise of this is that we can call this in terms of simple language, three truths followed by a suggestion. If we want to use the vernacular here, it's three pacing statements followed by a leading statement. And it's not that you have to use three. You could use four. You could use two. I demoed it with the sake of giving the simplest explanation with one. I tend to find the, the catchphrase to this, and this is coming from two people who clearly enjoy talking and have our own podcast and put out a lot of information that's helpful to people. Uh, we all tend to talk a little too damn much, which would be the intention, the old statement that we've got two ears and a mouth. And sometimes the communication should be proportionate. So the danger, the, the answer to your question is I'd say it depends on where you're doing it. Mm -hmm. If it's a video, I've got to start to use a little bit more ambiguous language. If it's a video, I've got to speak a little bit more generalities because one segment of my market uh, is where I've been awarded things like hypnotist of the year. I run a whole bunch of certification programs for people to learn hypnosis and practice professionally as a hypnotist. And in recent years, I now help to organize the program that then qualifies other practitioners to then also become instructors inside of our major organizations too. So if I'm speaking to that audience, people who are already hypnotists who want to do hypnosis better and want to now teach hypnosis, I know so many things about that market, which means, natural sake of language there, which means I already know a lot of the assumptions of the person in that community, which in that situation, I can stack a whole bunch of those pacing statements because chances are for that market, uh, you've already got a bunch of certifications on the wall and you've likely already been out there seeing a ton of clients and already operating to some level of success, which means though, the fact that you're watching this video, you're seeing some of the gaps in your education and what's currently missing to go from good to great and scale your business worldwide. And for that, here's this program. So in that market, because I don't even have to create the avatar. I've been in that community for going on 12, 13 years full time. I know their specific needs. If it's my program, Business Influence Systems, which the end user for that is the entrepreneur, the online marketer. And inside of that world right now, there's a mixture of financial people, personal trainers, uh, online entrepreneurs, people from all different segments. So because the Business Influence Systems program is one that's meant for Anybody who's got their own small business, single owner, and very often based in media, getting out there doing videos, putting out their own educational programs, that one I've got to go a little bit more general because that's a program, just in terms of a business mindset, that's a program that teaches one solid outcome, how to apply hypnotic influence principles to your business. So for that one, I tend to go a little bit more vague in the instruction because that's a match for, again, the financial planner, the contractor, the accountant, 
um, the personal trainer, uh, the folks in my hypnosis industry are also inside of that community too sometimes. So it, again, know your audience is the real answer to that. Perfect. Makes sense. Where, again, if I'm talking one-to-one, -one, this is the benefit of going, why now? That's one of the most empowering questions you can ask in, the, in a consult. Why now? They're going to bring to the surface all the immediacy, which then everything is an asset and I can use that more, more uh, directly in that situation. Awesome. Awesome. I literally, I feel like we could probably talk for the next two hours about this and I'd like, I'd be super content with that, but, uh, I want to, got to respect your time and our listeners time too. So, um, it, guys, I hope any of you listening or watching this are, are taking furious notes about how you can implement this stuff. Cause I think this is super powerful. And I think, um, in terms of having more success in your business and your life, all this stuff is going to apply in any of those realms. So Jason, where can people uh, find you if they want to learn more about what you've got going on your program services and connect with you? Yeah. And once again, thank you so much for having me on here. This has been great. I'd point to, uh, first of all, the podcast that I put out, Hypnotic Language Hacks. Anywhere you can find podcasts, do a search for Hypnotic Language Hacks and you'll find it easily there. It also does publish a video on YouTube. And then also head over to jasonlinette.com, which I'll spell that. Lynette has one in, two T's, no extra letters at the end, though, Bob, I think you'll love this. I mm -hmm. own all of the misspellings, so do your best. <laughs> It'll still bring you to the right place, jasonlinette.com. And I'd point specifically, once you're there, click the tab at the top for Business Influence Systems, because that's going to give you a tour of the four-step process of business influence. And as it does that, it's going to give you the specific application of what I call the Video Influence System. This way, you can create videos that have people wanting more from you, even before you make an offer. And again, that's over at jasonlinette.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on. Truly appreciate having you. This is a wealth of knowledge. And uh, as always, everyone, I truly uh, hope that you enjoyed this and took a lot. I know I personally did. Um, so thank you for, for tuning in, uh, listening, watching, whatever you're doing, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review this. We can't help more entrepreneurs unless you do that. Your subscription rating and review always help push us out to more folks. And that's the whole point of this. It's not just for me, although I enjoy it and have lots of great conversations. I want to help as many people as I can along the way. Um, Jason, thank you for your time. Truly appreciate it. Looking forward to, to learning more from you. I want to yell Guya very excitedly. Uh, I we, love it. Like, we, can, we can get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love it. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you. And guys, we'll see you guys on another episode real soon. This podcast is sponsored by Three Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, Three Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.